It's that time of the year that we reflect on the year it was. The successful hunts, the not so, and the ones that kept us dreaming and striving to work harder. The people whom we shared camp with, the stories told, the memories made, and most of all, the friendships that were created. And to me, that is what hunting camp is all about. So let's grab 2019 by the antlers, get that bucket list, tick one off, and make sure 2019 is the biggest and best yet. So from my family to yours, Merry Christmas, and have a wonderful and safe new year. See you in 2019. Guys, I have, this is the first one we haven't done together, man, but Josh Rogers is on the phone. How are you, buddy? Good, mate. How you going? I'm going real good. Going real good. We're just, uh, we've just been catching up a little bit here. We've sort of, it's been a, about a few weeks, man, since we spoke. Yeah, yeah, it has. And I did say that if we did a podcast together, it was not going to be on Skype, but yet here we are. <laughs> well, man, I'm not sponsored by Jetstar yet, so it's it smashes me to get down to Melbourne every time. So, yeah, anyone listening out there that works with Jetstar can get us some sponsorship. Either me or Josh, doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be welcome. <laughs> or Virgin, yeah, can't sure. leave them out. But, uh, mate, what have you been up to? You, you... Buddy, been around. You've been in hospital. You've been in America. You've bloody hell. What else are you going to throw? Yeah. Oh, so I guess we should touch on some of that. So, little bit before our first podcast, I was diagnosed with a couple of brain aneurysms. So I've been dealing with that in the background since maybe April this year. Ended up going down the path of surgery. So. I've now got a stent in my right ventricular artery, I think it's called. I don't know. It's just behind your eye, isn't it? Yeah. It's inside the brain line and just in behind the eye. So it's still not fixed. It's going to take time and I'm on blood thinners. So I look like a leopard at the moment. I've just got spots all over me and bruises because you just look at me and I bruise. Yeah, right. um, Yeah, it was a pretty stressful period of time. I kept it to myself a bit, and then as it got a bit closer, I was a little bit more comfortable in it and yeah. started just drip-feeding a little bit of info out to people that I knew, and then yeah. uh, the surgery come along pretty quick. But Yeah, well, it was it was only a couple of days after that we were at, uh, when we caught up with Rob Herbert, wasn't it? Yeah, so I, caught, I figured that that could have been my last hurrah, so it all went pear-shaped in surgery because I was going into surgery after I dropped you off the airport. It was That's two right. days later. Yeah. I was going in for surgery, and... Um, yeah, it was a bit full yeah. on. It was a full on conversation on the way home and up there, I'll tell you. Yeah, it yeah, well, it was a great unknown, and doctors always give you a worst case scenario. So yeah. we got all this worst case scenario put into into our head, and it just created probably unnecessary stress because if you look at the statistics of it all, a lot of the the, the bad situations with them are all elderly patients. So yeah, people my age. It's a very high success rate. So, yeah, yeah. had they told me that from the start, I might not have stressed myself out so much. But yeah, yeah, anyway, sure. it's all it's all done and dusted. But one of the conditions of it was um, the recovery period was a couple of weeks, and I'd had a hunt booked in in the United States for for the last two years with Billy Moles um, hunting whitetail in Wisconsin. So, the whole time talking to the surgeon was all about. I don't care what you do, but I just got to get the to surgery that can't influence that. So you either <laughs> make sure it's done beforehand, so I'm recovered and I can go, or we're just doing it once I've gone and once I'm back, you can do it then. And yeah, 
ended up finding some dates and squeezed me in and yeah, it's all it's all done and I recovered reasonably well. Like I to be honest, I was got out of hospital and wasn't supposed to be driving for two weeks, but I actually went and checked a few trail cameras <laughs> in <laughs> maybe three days after. Yeah, that's what I thought of, but I'm pretty sure that was yeah, there was only two or three days, you know. <laughs> yeah, there was. It was two or three days after I got out of surgery. I was I've got a little bung in my groin that's blocking the blood from pissing out my femoral artery but my wife's a good wife and she drove me over and <laughs> then she sat in the car while I hobbled down a couple uh, hills checked the cameras got back up I just I guess can't help myself and I can't sit at home for too long so so if anyone's out there wondering why Josh Rogers knows everything about Sam but there you go there's there's uh there's the commitment <laughs> yeah so I was off work but I wasn't off hunting so yeah. um yeah that that all went well recovery went well and here I am. It it takes six to twelve months for the, the aneurysm to actually heal up. So there's a stent in there. It's restricting the blood flow through through the aneurysm itself, which is just like a little bubble on the side of the main artery. Gotcha. It, it'll eventually just build up with cells and then slowly disappear, and then it's gone. So I'll have be on blood thinners for the next two to three years, and um, annual scans so the next three months i'll have multiple scans to make sure it's all going well once once it's confirmed it's healed then then it's just annual scans probably for the rest of my life so just to give give people a bit of an idea like what were some of the like what were some of the uh the things you were going through like what caused the i suppose what made you go to the hospital in the first place yeah so i my dad had an aneurysm burst a few years ago, it nearly killed him. He was he was in hospital for three or four months, and um, after that, we were warned. My brothers and myself were warned that it's hereditary, so we were at a risk of developing them ourselves. And then I was for a little period there. I was experiencing just prolonged headaches, which was yeah, uncommon right. for me. Generally, my only headaches were alcohol related, so I don't get headaches for no reason. And yeah. I wasn't drinking at the time, so I was actually, at that point, I was training for a marathon, so I was running 60, 70 k's a week, and I was the fittest I'd been in my life, just about. Yeah. And then, yeah, got these headaches, I kept going, went into hospital, they ended up finding the aneurysm, but it was actually unrelated to the headaches, so the headaches actually pinpointed the cause. Yeah. It's gone away, so I don't, not really concerned now, and then the focus went on to the aneurysms and then yeah we are where we're at now but yeah so did, i mean this is sort of jumping a few hurdles but like did sort of hunting and that i mean especially your addiction to, to the deer but did that sort of help you you know over the sort of six to eight month period before your surgery yeah oh it's a distraction i guess yeah, so for me my like my job at times can create a fair bit of stress um with that, my only real release from that is to get out in the bush. So yeah. whether it's an excuse I've developed over years for my wife to justify it, I'm not sure, but she knows <laughs> that the best thing for me at different times when I start getting a little bit wound up is just she really she'll kicks, tell me. She really kicks you out. Yeah, she does. She'll go, yeah. just grab your stuff and just go into the bush for the weekend or just yeah. head out, will yeah. you? You're driving yeah. me nuts. So. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But, yeah, it certainly helped, but um, 
I, I didn't. I obviously stopped any of the training I've done, so I'm I'm just back getting into that now. So yeah. I think over the period of time I put on maybe ten kilos, so I've got to start shedding that off now. Yeah. Get a bit more hunt fit again, and might have to catch you um, on those hills at the moment. Yeah, Too yeah, quick yeah. Before. So that's where that went. Um, so how did I mean going back sort of two years ago before all sort of this come up? How did sort of how did one how did sort of whitetail hunting come into like I mean it's obviously something that we're all pretty you know I think everyone sort of wants to take one and. But how did you sort of go about booking that, finding the outfit that you use and those kind of things? Because it's sort of a bit of an off-curveball off sort of hunt. Yeah, so a few of the local, the Victorian samba hunters I know had been to Alaska and hunted moose and some of them had hunted brown bear and, and some of them had hunted caribou. And one of the main names that kept popping up was Billy Moles. Yep. So Billy's developed a bit of a reputation for getting big moose so i know um jeffrey mags he he went a couple of times with him ended up getting one 72 inches i think it was so it's a hell of a moose oh yeah yeah so uh, jared matthews went over last year he was going with billy they ended up having weather come in and he couldn't hook up with him so he went with a different guy and ended up getting a big moose as well yep you know the guys that shot caribou but then the other thing was some of these same guys were talking about um, going to Billy's home in Wisconsin and hunting the whitetail on the private properties that yeah. his dad owns. Yeah, right. And I thought, look, it's pretty good opportunity just to go over and just dip my toe in the in the water of, of hunting North America. And and I'd already booked it in well before I'd met you. Like it might have gone a different path. It might not have, but yeah. I was always keen for whitetail. Yeah. And, and but then the other thing was, I was going with him because I'm still really keen to hunt caribou. So yeah, I, yep. I was going there to chat to him a bit more about that. And uh, I think 2021, my wife and myself turned 40, and and we've already got plans in place to go to Alaska, which she's agreed to tack a hunt on to the end of that for me. So yeah. all of this was all in preparation for that. So yeah, yep. celebrating the 40th together and then getting a hunt. Awesome. On, on, yeah, after it. So awesome. I was thinking barren ground caribou was what I was hoping for. I'm sort of shifting away from that now. The more I see some of the other things that you can do in the States, the more I'm starting to think, you know what, maybe that's still a bucket list item, but yeah. probably not the top of the list right now. Yeah. So I know, that's Al- what Alaska is a, a funny one because it, it, this is sort of hard to put your your mind around it but the the countryside and the, the the wilderness side of things is that amazing that it really does take over the hunt somewhat yeah um, i know everybody talks about it's all about the adventure and all this kind of stuff but that alaska is yeah i, I could probably couldn't couldn't put it in another way like if like with the disappointment that i had um if it wasn't for the country that we're in you know yeah you would have been devastated sort of thing more than i was but because of where you were and what you were witnessing, yeah, you soon forgot about the, the negative side of things pretty quickly. So it's, yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's I don't know. Get to Alaska or somewhere, you know, hunt something or get up there somehow. But it's a uh, it's an amazing place. Yeah, so I think 
what the plan is now is that I'm going to commit to a hunt of some description. What that is, yeah. I'm not sure. So then yeah. the date of that is going to determine the dates of yeah, our holidays. And then I'm happy to fly back to one of the, the lower states yeah. after the fact. But, yeah, yeah, Alaska as a tourist is number one. Oh, yeah. And then the hunt, my wife will fly home and then I'll stick back and have a hunt and who knows, look, might be with you or yeah. – Certainly, my mate Billy, he's the one that come to Wisconsin with me this time. I'm already trying to wrangle him back into coming and doing something with me again over over there. So he'll probably be involved as well. So We need someone cutting our firewood. Be a good man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just need to teach him how to cook properly so he can do the camp pitch. <laughs> I seem to be the one doing all the cooking for him. He, he claims he can't cook, but he lives by himself and he's not starving to death. So. No, that's for sure. He's a fit little yeah. boy. Yeah. Oh, that's a guy. So, mate, you, um, I mean, it's been a couple of years sort of planning, I guess you could say, but, you know, was there any times that you sort of, you know, you weren't sure what you're getting into or was it pretty well laid out for you um, from Billy or, you know, how did, how did sort of the, the early stages, you know, leading up to, you know, sort of moments prior to, how did that sort of work for you? Yeah, so Billy Billy was excellent from from the get-go. All the correspondence from him was always very clear. He he outlined exactly what to expect. So yeah. I wasn't going there thinking I'm going to shoot a 160, 170 whitetail buck mm-hmm. on my first day. He said that they're there. And if you're patient, they will pop up. But realistically, representative deer is almost a certainty. And then anything bigger than that comes down to how patient you are. And, yeah, got that. Um, I was fortunate and another Australian went, in between when I booked and then my year, another Australian went over and I chatted to him a fair bit. And before he went through social media again, mind you, I said to him, I'm going to be watching closely at your hunt because I'm going the following fall. So, yep. um, yeah, had a watch as Mitch Raspin, he, he was there and he got a, ended up getting a really nice buck in the in the final minutes of his hunt, like he was literally down to the last five minutes of shooting light and oh, a big buck turned up and yeah. turns out that it's a little bit of a, a trait for the deer there. So yeah, right. I'll get onto that a bit more yeah, later yeah, on. We'll it certainly come down to the wire with myself and, yeah. and Bill too. So yeah, I couldn't, couldn't talk highly enough of Billy Miles before I'd gone. He was, he was really clear. And then um, before we knew it, I'd had my surgery and then off we went. We yeah. were going. So me and Bill, a couple of Aussie guys, never really been overseas. <laughs> I've been to New Zealand hunting and I've been to America as a kid, but I don't remember it. And then here we were at the airport, not knowing what we're getting ourselves into. So yeah, um, learn a bit with the flights we got. Basic economy flights. I won't be doing that again. I'd be paying for an upgrade no matter what. <laughs> it was horrendous. So. It's not the best one. That's nah, no, nah, not at all. It, I look at it as something that's just got to be done. That's how I look at it, but I hate every minute of it. Yeah, so we flew Virgin, and Virgin's got their, their absolute basic flights, which is what we got, mm-hmm. and then in between, I'm certainly not going to, can't afford to fly business class unless you get a sponsor or something. But yeah, we can work on that. <laughs> shout out to Virgin Australia. <laughs> um, yeah, in between there's like an upgrade, a premium economy or something like that. Yeah, and yeah. after the fact, you're looking. There's only a few hundred bucks more, but that 
I don't think you could underestimate how much better that would be just on the flights themselves. Oh, definitely. And some of the different airlines, um, or have been told in New Zealand, a famous one, is their premium economy is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so it just depends. Like I've been on a couple there where I really, walking through, I couldn't really tell the difference. I think that might have been American. Yeah. Just sort of walking through, like you're like, oh, which one's premium or which one's economy? Like I couldn't pick the difference, but... Yeah, maybe food or something a bit different, but it, it's something to look at. Like you're on, a, it's on that you're on the plane a long freaking time. So, um, oh, for sure. It was. So we, yeah, we, we had a stopover in LA. So we went from Melbourne to LA, yeah. Then LA to Wisconsin on the way over. The way back, we actually had two stops. So we oh, actually right. flew back into Sydney, but Melbourne to LA was like fifteen hours or something like that. Mm-hmm. wasn't that bad because we were we were all g'd up we're yeah, going on our pumped. first international hunt and i reckon from leaving home at melbourne and the waiting and the changing over flights we were probably on the go for 36 hours cool. and we might have had speaking for myself i reckon i had 45 minutes sleep over oh. that whole time by the time we got to our motel room that's brutal it was full on uh, la was stressful like the the security getting in there it was just out of control <laughs> i reckon we went through three different security checks and none of them wanted to help us and we were on timelines to get to our next flight and we had to collect yeah. all that back it was just a massive pain in the ass so anyway we got through all that got to wisconsin found a room went in there had a sleep billy's picking it up the next morning Met him at the airport, much the same as when I first met you, and just hit it off straight away. He's just yeah, he's nice. just a great guy, easy to talk to. And from then we knew it was going to be a pretty epic trip. Yeah. Um, so he did what most Aussies at first time over there do, and first Cabela's <laughs> we seen, we stopped at, and oh, my mind was blown in there. I already knew what to expect, but <laughs> it's just something else. And Keep me keen, shot. Yeah. So we're pretty pumped with that, brought some bits and bobs and then headed back to Billy's place. So yep. had a quick, we got there just before dark. So we had a bit of a look around. His dad had 1,400 acres, acres nice. or hectares, I don't recall now. It might be hectares. That's a big But split right up there. across, split, split up across maybe half a dozen separate parcels of yeah, land. Okay. Yep. But they all somewhat linked to each other so deer right. you're seeing in one of them potentially could be in the other a yep. day later yeah so we we had a bit of a look around i was amazed just to see that just driving along the road you, you'd see the deer bedded up in the snow mm-hmm. 20 meters off the road so Different there's nothing road. like that in australia for no. our deer species and i thought oh geez what what's this all about? How how easy is this going to be if the deer are only 20 <laughs> metres off the road? And what uh, is it going to be what we expected? And I still was unsure at that point, but yeah. um, got to Billy's house, met his family. His family were fantastic. So his wife, Stacia, and his two daughters, they, they were more than welcoming. And over the week we met his parents. We had a Thanksgiving, a Thanksgiving dinner with, with oh, that's his pretty, that's pretty in-laws. Special. Yeah, yeah, cool. it was, and yeah. it, was, it was huge. So. It's a big day. It's a big day for the guys over there. Well, thanks to you, it's huge. Yeah, we got invited to a lunch, but we were there to hunt, so I just said, "Look, 
I don't want to be rude, but I am here to hunt, so I'm happy to stay in my stand for the day, but yep. more than happy to do dinner. So awesome. we ended up doing that. But, um, yeah, it was great. And then got all our gear ready. We did, there was just a little shack thing we are staying in, bunk bed in there. And next day we, we were up at Sparrow's Fart, so I don't know, <laughs> 5 o'clock, 10 to 5 or something like that. It wasn't daylight till maybe half past 6, but... Every morning we're up early, Billy had breakfast going, coffee pot, he'd be making the lunches and stuff like that, and then we were predominantly just hunting in stands. So, yeah, yeah. And the stands were just basically our kids' cubby houses. They were just little, I don't know, three-metre by two-metre boxes that yeah, okay. you could just stand up in with windows all around. Yep. And they all had just little, little heaters in them, so... Some of them were just gas cookers. One of them had a jet boil in there to use. Like, you'd be surprised at how quickly they heated the rooms up. Yeah, yeah. But we needed it. So the temperatures when we were there, I think the the coldest it got was minus 13 Celsius. So Ooh. it was pretty brutal. Yeah. Like, and when you're sitting there, you're not moving. And we were in these stands all day. So from about... I don't know, quarter past six in the morning until five o'clock in the evening, which was just getting dark. Like it was just after shooting light. So yeah. yeah. And how do you yeah. go? How do you go sitting in stand? I mean, it's you know, it's <laughs> it's tough. Like it's not obviously not physical, but mentally staying in one spot, like especially for someone like yourself who's forever yeah. wandering. You know, how did yeah. how did you sort of work through that? I struggled. So. I had phone service across lots of it, so you probably early days I was posting some Insta stories, and yeah. I reckon the first, the second hour of the first morning, I I was convinced I had cabin fever. I <laughs> I was starting to talk to myself, and I was like, "Wow, how am I going to do seven days of this? <laughs> I'm two hours in, and I'm just wanting to get out there and start following these deer around." But yeah. The deer were busy all day, though. That was the surprising thing. So, so they were always active? Yeah. Yeah, right. Pretty much always active. There was a couple of little periods in the middle of the day where there'd be a little lull, but because the temperatures were so low, the deer couldn't spend long periods better down. They needed yeah, to get moving still. themselves. Yeah, right. And then get a feed just to start replenishing their energy stores. So we were seeing deer from as soon as you could see out the windows of your stand you'd start seeing deer oh, shit. and you'd see them i don't know it, was, it almost seemed like every hour another batch of animals would come walking through or yep. some that you've seen earlier would come back through and um so were they, the were morning, they sort of in rut phase were they like when they were coming through they was that just finishing up just finishing. So just finishing up where we were righto um we're still seeing some rutting activity so i had a couple Bucks on the first morning, a couple younger bucks come through, trailing hinds, one of them come through Fleming with his lip curled and yeah, cool. chasing off some smaller bucks and rounding a, some does up, which was cool to see. It was just a little bit far far off to get some footage. I, I still yeah. haven't really reviewed all my video footage. I got maybe an hour of footage across every day. Okay. I'll get to I'll get a YouTube clip together at some stage, but yeah. I might may or may not have got I, I know I definitely got a different stag later in the week. He was doing a similar thing, just charging across, a bit like the fellow bucks when they're in full rut. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Charging just everywhere. To, yeah, charging around, trying to peer like cut 
the the cycling does out of the main group yeah so that i had a little bit more one-on-one time and um the key was just to be patient and, and i'd said the whole time i was prepared to come home empty-handed than to shoot something below par and yep. i wasn't going there for a giant i just wanted a representative animal yeah, and for sure talking to billy he was he was explaining the best way of gauging them was ear tip to ear tip when their their heads sort of relaxed is on average it's about 15 inches okay. if you start seeing um air gap between the inside edge of the antler and the ear below it then you're starting to get into 16 17 18 inches and they're representative yep gotcha as well as brow tines younger younger bucks are going to have brow tines that slightly point inward mm-hmm. he said that's a pretty good gauge that you're looking at a like potentially just a two and a half three and a half year old animal yep soon as you start seeing almost perfectly vertical brow tines then you're looking at the start of four and a four four and a half year animals and that's what we were wanting yeah for sure and did he sort of give you a bit of an age sort of say look boys like you know i don't really want to shoot anything under four four and a half or was it sort of up to you to make that call or did he have sort of any kind of sort of yeah, so rough guidelines there's no he, he said pretty much straight away that there's no way they can manage their own private herds that yeah, the deer right. scatter right out throughout the county and they'll go from one block to the next to the next That's and cool. the average shooter over there is just going to shoot the first thing that walks through yeah with antlers so the average age over there of the deer is probably three and a half years old and uh-huh. any that get through that season are the ones that are then popping up and becoming really nice animals but their life expectancy beyond that the next year is probably very low with the amount of shooting that's going on. So <clears throat> touching on that, like because we were there for rifle season, day one, my God, there was just – I would have heard – World War Four. Yeah, at least 200 shots across Holy the day. Shit. It was just unrelenting. And, and it got to the – later in the week, there'd been so many shots fired that none of the deer were even responding to shots. They just – kept doing their own thing and must have just been grateful that they're not falling over after one because they didn't (laughs) really care yeah yeah i guess they couldn't because if they were they would never feed because there was shots going from yeah dawn to dusk so yeah and just quickly did you take your own rifle and i would just use one from over there or what what was going on to save the heartache of any of that i just said that i'm more than happy to use billy's And that, it was hard enough just getting all of our gear through as it was, let alone having to worry about rifles too. So Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think that's the way I'd do it too if I ever went for a rifle hunt for whatever reason. Yeah, I, I yeah. think I'd use one, get there a day early, have a, shot, have a few shots with it. and maybe make Yeah, some guys good. like the romance of having their own gear or they love their own rifle. I, I've never been one of those. It's just a tool to me and I'll just, I'll pick up anyone's rifle and... yeah. Yeah, I'm happy to shoot anything. Yeah, for sure. So, for sure. What colour would you use? Uh, to, he he's a guide in Alaska, and he, one of his key animals is brown bear. So all of his rifles he had there were pretty much all big exactly. calibers. Yeah. So he had a 270, which is obviously a smaller caliber, but my mate Bill he claimed that early on. So. <laughs> That left me with a choice of a 375 H&H or a 338. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, 338. I, I, just picked up, 
I picked up the 338 being <laughs> the smaller of the two, considering 375 H&H oh. developed to shoot elephants. So. Yeah, I reckon. There's this um, part from your shoulders destruction. Um, yeah. There wouldn't have been much left of the old white tail, I don't think. Nah, nah, but look, at they were, they were good rifles. They were, we were more than happy to use what we had. Yeah, so, oh, that's awesome. The hunting... There was a there was another hunter come who uh, Barry I was aware he was there the whole time so he's someone that goes and does his hunt pretty much every year with Billy yeah. so he's yeah. he's almost part of the family there yeah um, he was there and on the third day he shot a really really nice buck I awesome. think it was a thirteen pointer in the end and oh, that was that was really good to see and and it gave me and my mate Bill an idea of what to expect Good and what gauge. to be patient for. So we surprised by their body size. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Bigger than you uh, thought or smaller? I, I reckon they were, the bucks definitely were bigger than yeah. what I thought they were going to be. What I so, yeah, I was surprised how big they are. Yeah. They're a bit more chunkier than a, than a fellow bark. Yeah. I was actually surprised by their feet. I was looking around at the side cause like you're always looking around and I was looking at, their marks through the the snow when we're there and they were looking like almost like samba, like yeah. big samba stag marks. And I'm like, surely they don't they're not that big, because I hadn't seen a bigger buck up close yet. And but they just got big feet. I don't know whether it's the ground. Yeah. I ended up I've got pictures of my buck and Billy's buck and there was about an eight, a year's age difference between them, but you can see the difference between mine and his just yeah, okay. a little bit of girth. So yeah. I put them up on Instagram at some stage just as a bit of a have a look at it and Yeah, sorry. Um Yeah, so we'd gone nearly the whole week. Bill had seen a couple of bucks off out of his stands that he'd passed up and um Billy, the guide, his, him and his dad decided that we'll do some drive hunt. So they put myself and Bill in in some strategic positions. Yeah. And then they just pushed the animals out towards us. And yeah. the first couple of them that we did, I seen bugger all. Just nothing was coming out my way, but quite a few went out past Bill. No shots. He didn't shoot any through that period. And then we're getting down to the, the dying moments of the hunt. So it was... Um, the last afternoon and we had potentially a morning hunt on the Saturday before our flight Saturday afternoon. So Friday evening, at that point, I still hadn't seen what I would call a shooter buck across yeah, right. my, my whole week. So, so what was the, like, before I stop you there, what was sort of the thought process up until this point? Um, did you sort of have confidence that one had sort of put, show its head up or you'd sort of come to the... It's like, oh, well, you know, it's not going to happen sort of thing. Truthfully, I, I was thinking it's not going to happen, yeah, even right. though I was getting told, and I trusted Billy, the guide. I trusted him in him saying, look, you never know. Like, all of these shots going off, they're just the guys are pushing deer across every property, and eventually mm -hmm. they'll end up in ours because one of their main properties is the wintering ground for these deer. So eventually okay. they're going to head there, and it's a matter of whether they've had enough of the shooting in the blocks around. But he said, just be patient. And and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm patient. But seriously, it's been six and a half days and, and I haven't seen something that I would call a shooter. Yeah. And I'm down to my last hours of my hunt. <laughs> it's kind of hard to stay oh, yeah. positive. But I, I had 
I had it in my mind that I was like, oh, I'd already messaged my missus and said, oh, I don't think I'm going to get something, but, but I'm, just I'm not disappointed. I wasn't disappointed. <laughs> I just said, it just means I'm going to come back. Because yeah. then even my missus said, are you going to shoot a smaller one just so you've got one? I'm like, I'm not interested in that. I'd rather come home without one than to shoot something below par or a younger one just to say, hey, I've shot a deer. Yeah. Yeah, because – and then it's almost like you're done then. You just say, oh, there's my whitetail. Yeah, Move yeah. on to the next species. And yeah. if you did that with all the animals, then you might not ever get something respectable. And the only way those animals get to be respectable heads is by – living past that age so yeah i was sitting there and i was convinced that it wasn't going to happen and then not only that the, the previous couple afternoons were really quiet in the standard i'd been in so i'd been seeing deer all week and then all of a sudden i was going a couple hours at a time without seeing a deer so if not seeing a, a decent buck was bad enough I was also not even seeing the animals at all. So Doing your absolute head in. <laughs> yeah. I was sitting there like, oh, shit. So I'm messaging Bill. He's in another stand. He's like, oh, yeah, I've been looking at deer all day, by the way. I'm like, oh, <laughs> your luck. Well, well, hopefully you get one. And and then early afternoon on this Friday after, uh, though, I'm, I'm sitting there and all of a sudden the deer were more active than usual. We had a different weather front come through and it was, yeah, little bit windy and the snow come back in and the deer maybe to three o'clock in the afternoon started moving and a big yeah. group of deer come in and I'm like oh cool here we go so i'm sitting there and i'm like oh there's got to be a buck come through of all of these because there was more in this pathway than what i'd been seeing previously yeah, yeah. suggesting that it was a newer group of animals coming in and anyway i'm sitting there and then all of a sudden i hear these couple boom 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 and like literally only a couple hundred metres from me, the neighbours started shooting in a in a block. So oh. I'm like, oh, shit. And then with that, all of the deer I was watching just broke and took off. And then at the same time, this beautiful buck's just come. He's jumped the fence into my block, but he's cut through behind a standard, um, I don't recall what the trees were. They were semi-open, but yeah. there's no way of getting a shot. But it, it was a beautiful buck, like, Best one I'd seen the whole week, and he was almost out. Like, had those shots not come off, oh. gone off, he was going to come out into where the rest of the deer were in minutes, I'd say. He was only just right there. But as it stands, the shots went off, and he broke and come into where I was, but then disappeared. So a few more shots went off, and I was like, oh, crap. Like, I've been waiting. Here's my chance. And then all of a sudden – it's it's all over because there's shots next door and I thought, oh, what can I do about it? So I just sat tired and still had a couple hours of daylight to go and I thought, geez, I hope he comes back out because he had real nice points and had good width and um, it was exactly what I was after and it was just like, how was the luck of that? So <laughs> about an hour later, though, another I caught through the binos and sitting there and I caught a bit of movement of this the buck that I end up shooting, he's come out trailing behind a, a hind and I'm looking at him like, oh, I'm not sure, I don't know. He had nice points and yeah, and then he had the, the straighter brows and I'm watching and I'm thinking, you know what, like I, I did say the whole time that I wanted a representative animal and this fitted the bill. 
it was the last afternoon, so yeah, I just waited it. for him to step out in the clear and I just let him have it. Watched him fall in the middle of the the pasture and and then that was it for my hunt. So it was a little bit of relief. Yeah, mixed couldn't emotions. help but thinking about the the bigger buck that come through. Like yeah. seriously, it was six and a half days of waiting for that just to have nice shots go up next door and it busts out of there. Oh. Yeah, so then... Had you spotted him before the shots went off? No. No. No, but there was, I could see deer... Coming through. It was like, I could see deer coming through. I could see legs just milling behind a little stand of thick stuff. Yep. And and I knew they were coming because, like, they were filtering through and then a deer would pop through a pop-hole, want to jump the fence. And, yeah, he was, he was in the line of those animals, probably coming through last, but... All I remember seeing is him just jump the fence, take off, and, yeah, so that were, was it. Were you on the edge of crops or were you in creek bottoms? Like, how was what was the sort of the lay of all, all corn country. So yeah, right A lot of it's corn crops, but they, they were harvesting. So just about all of the properties that we had access to, the crops had been harvested, but the deer were still going in there picking Getting the, the spilt, at, at spilt what corn. was left. Yeah. yeah. So they leave some standing corn for the deer to winter with just to help them get through the winters. They can be quite harsh on the animals. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Are they, strategi- so, are they strategically planted for the deer or was that actually, you know, what the farmers are No, no, are that's, that's what his dad's, that's what they make their living corn out growers, of. What his yeah. dad makes his living out of is the corn. So, yeah. yeah, they just, like, they strategically leave some of the corn there for the deer. But yeah. Yeah, the corn's certainly not there yep. primarily for the deer. So Yeah, for sure. So what was so then, yeah. you had him on the ground, you know, and obviously yeah, mixed emotions I can guarantee, you know, from you know, seeing a real good buck to shooting one that, you know, you you're obviously happy with. But, you know, you know, did you jump straight out of the stand? Did you give it a bit? Like talk us through that bit. Yeah, so I didn't jump out because I my mate Bill was in another stand within eyeshot of where I was. So yeah, I was right still hopeful yep. that the big buck was going to come out to him. So there was a couple of smaller bucks in amongst them, and I seen them come out after my shot closer to where Bill was. Mm-hmm. So I messaged him and said, look, I just seen the couple of small bucks that were with the big fella. Um, just keep your eye out. There was a bit of a fall, and I don't know what it was, like an old chicken coop or something up in the top corner of the property, and I just said, keep your eye up there because that's where they're filtering out, and... I just sat tight till dark so that he still had an opportunity. If I had got out, I probably would have spooked most of the animals away. Got ya. So we sat there and nothing ended up coming out. So we heard a few more shots in there and we started thinking maybe the big fella had been shot by these guys on the neighbouring property. Uh-huh. Um, so then we went back for the evening and the, the hunting was pretty much all done for us all except for Bill. So he only had the final morning Quite to right. have a hunt, but he had the pick of anywhere that he'd been all week to say, where do you want to go? Mm-hmm. And Billy, the guide, was still suggesting to sit in the stand that I'd just been in for four days where I'd seen the big buck and Bill was keen to go back to another area where he'd seen an all right one earlier in the week and was seeing a lot more deer moving by. So he went there and then... Billy, the guide, ended up jumping back into the stand that I'd sat all week. <laughs> and, yeah, 
you get it. You can pick it out straight away. So yeah, <laughs> almost straight away, he catches some animals moving, and then they've cut across a section that I was told they come through all the time, but I hadn't seen them do it. But when they do, they're only a hundred yards off, and yep. sure enough, here comes the big fella just striding down the track and oh. stopped at the fence and then propped there, looked and. Billy, the guide, he still could have shot it. He had his rifle there and he passed it up. And he, yep. he said to me, it's the biggest buck he's ever passed up. So oh. he said it was every bit of 20 inches wide, big, big eight point, you know, with huge points. And Solid. it's exactly what I'd seen the evening before. And yeah, yeah. It's what you want, but how do you possibly Hunting, hold out Hunting. up until that point for yeah. that when you're not even seeing that quality of animal? And yeah, it would have been different if you were seeing them all the time. Like that, that would apply oh, exactly. a different part for sure. Yeah, absolutely. If you were seeing them regularly, you'd be like, you'd be more comfortable in doing it when yeah. you're not seeing them. It was definitely challenging. Yeah. But we were also hearing from one of the neighbours that kept saying, "Oh, I'm seeing this buck. I keep seeing him, not getting a shot at him. He's 22 inches wide." And and you. the guys were saying, like Billy and his dad Joe, they were constantly saying that thing could end up here. Any morning or any afternoon, that could just be here soon enough. And yeah. sure enough, that, that had to have been it because it was one of the better animals they've seen Stand in out. the last few years, they said. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah Billy let it walk and, and it was done. And young Bill was sitting in his other stand and there wasn't much moving. And then eventually he caught movement out to the far right and ended up shooting the buck that he gets in the end, which I think it was a nine-pointer. Yeah, nice. Um, the buck I shot, actually, Billy had passed up earlier in the week. Okay. I've got to stop saying Billy and Bill. So Bill is my mate Bill, Bill Harris, and Billy's the guide. But Bill had passed up this buck and got photos of it earlier in the week. So it's funny how earlier in the week he felt that we, he still wanted something different. Yep. But then later in the week, I had a look at it and it was more than respectable head. So mine yeah, was sure. a ten pointer. Yeah. Yeah, maybe a four year old animal. Not it's not the biggest thing, but it's not it's not a, a baby either, I suppose, that's given cool. given the mortality rate of these animals. Yeah, there, well it's probably just, that's exactly what I was thinking as well. Look when you said sort of three, three and a half is the average lifespan to shoot something above that, well I think you're in I think you're in front. Yeah. Yeah, so depending on what you're depending on what sort of yarn they're for too like that's obviously it comes in a big play absolutely so for me i'm now i'm content with what i've got with that but my whitetail hunting's not done so now yeah. i like i am really keen to hunt whitetail again but it'll be with my bow now yeah so that's the other thing i, I booked this hunt in before i'd committed back into bow hunting as strongly what i as a, what i am now so yeah. If I had my time now, if I was booking it now, it would be a bow hunt. It wouldn't be a rifle hunt now. Well, that sort of changes a lot of things too because you're obviously at a different time of the season. Uh, I'm yeah. not sure whether this area allowed, you know, some areas allow bows in, in rifle season, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, by the sounds of what it was like that later season, jeez, um, it would have been tough with a bow even if you were allowed to use one. Yeah. So the first day I seen a dozen or more animals that I could have shot at in my stand with my bow. No yeah. worries at all. And one of them was quite a nice eight-point, young eight-point buck that I got some nice photos of. So yeah. 
it, it could be done, but yeah, definitely a couple of weeks earlier when the deer were in full oh, rut. Right. Yep. Would have been a different story, and and if I was to do it, that's when I would be targeting. Yeah. But their their, their bow season is quite liberal over there, so I think Billy said it starts in August and it goes through till January. Oh right, so yeah, so yeah. it is generous. Yeah, so they can hunt right through if they want. Yeah. But he said, to be perfectly honest, he he said there's only maybe a two week window. Yeah. Where. The bow, like bow as in archery gear, because they talk bows and often they're referring to crossbows. So, yep. whereas in Australia, we don't, crossbows are a part of it, but we very rarely Mentions. mention them in the same breath as archery gear. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but that, that's where I stand with that now. So, for me now, it's it's a whitetail buck with my bow. Whether it's the same place, I don't know. I'd go back. Yeah. They were some of the best people I'd met. Everywhere we went, the people were great. They were all more than accommodating to us. Um, I know you're in Billy's, you're in Billy's wife's Arnie. Billy's wife's Arnie took a bit of a shine into my <laughs> mate Bill. Told him that he had a sexy voice, so he he was getting called sexy voice oh, Bill for the week. He'll be back for sure. <laughs> Odds on. So, <laughs> Yeah, oh. I was trying to talk him into finding himself an American bride with oh. with a rancher dad, so that I had access to property to go to. But yes. Tony, hasn't happened. Tony's so, up in that northwest for us, would he? Yeah. Jeez. I don't know if there's any prospective women. They're more than welcome to have a look at <laughs> Billy Harris on Instagram. And if you like what you see, and you got Hit him up. dad with acreage. <laughs> Let us know. Send him a DM. Oh, that's unreal. That's unreal. <laughs> yeah. So no, get, it was great. So, so looking gone. back, you know, is there – it doesn't sound like there'd be too much you'd change, but is there anything you change, any kind of gear, tack, like, you know, any of that kind of stuff? Like, um, I know Whitetail is, is high on a lot of people's lists. You know, I, I know it seems to be what we all sort of know a lot of American hunting for is, is Whitetail because it's, it's massive over there, but – um, yeah, is there anything you sort of change as as far as you know taking out what you did? Yeah, look, I, I, certainly I would be doing it with archery gear. Yeah, it's more than it's more than achievable. So they weren't. My first thoughts were that they were going to be relatively easy because we were seeing them off the roads, but they're yeah. not. Like, and I'd seen it with my own eyes. If you if you're cruising along the road. They're happy to lie there and watch you drive past, but yeah, if you start slowing down or stop, <laughs> boom, they're gone. So yeah. they're happy to have you watching them until such time that they think that they're in danger. So yeah. they weren't as silly as what my first impressions were. And the bigger barks, it's it's all about patience and just waiting for the right periods. Mm. Um, the hunt itself, it was probably what I expected. Like yep. I knew I was going into farm fringe hunting. There was quite a bit of it was in the woods. So one of the drives we did, I was sitting around um, a bit of a watercourse and there was a, a beaver hut there and, and a beaver dam. Like that that yes, was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I had a few deer come running. That was one of the few times on a drive that I had deer come past me. And, yeah, it was interesting having a couple little mobs of deer come running by at about six or eight feet. Yeah, cool. One of them decided to jump a frozen creek, and as he's gone 
took cross it. He ended up falling through it. So it was just floundering around in there. And oh. then oh. then he got up and sort of stood on the other side looking at me like, holy shit, that was a bad move. <laughs> and then he sort of walked off grunting. So it was interesting. Oh, but, yeah, I bet. Um, yeah, I wouldn't change too much. That's awesome. To be honest. You know it's a good trip when that happens. Yeah, I just, I the flight's over. I definitely recommend if you're doing it, direct flight so you don't have the, the layovers. Um, if you can afford it, I'd be upgrading the seats because it wasn't any better on the way home either, that, that long-haul flight. We had a less-packed plane, so there was a few spare rows of seats further back, but we, me and Bill were a bit slow onto it, so everyone else had already claimed them before we yeah. realised that that was an option. <laughs> So, yeah. but we we still we, you just got to learn all these things, man. That's all. Absolutely. More time, so, so that's all. Yeah, the trip home was maybe was nowhere near as long. We weren't waiting in airports as long, so it was maybe yeah. twenty six hours or something. We're on the go and mm. got a few hours sleep on the way home because we we're a little bit more experienced in it. But yeah, yeah, I'd, like I say, I'd be getting an upgrade to even premium economy if you can and just getting that little bit extra leg space then that'll refine sense. your seats back a little bit more yeah 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 it's pretty tough <laughs> and don't get window seats i got window seats on the way over i love the window I man i, I couldn't get out so i had the window and then i had bill next to me and then we had this old dude that was asleep the whole time so nice. there's a couple of times i was just busting for a pierce just jump them just and jump. i just couldn't get out Bill's too nice, so he wouldn't shake him or anything to get him to move. So, no, I'm on the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I go window. I, I actually, I, uh, I get one of my, you know, the the bags, the compression bags, our sacks that we take. Yeah. the night you put your sleeping bag, but I, I actually roll a pillow up, like a full yeah. size pillow, and roll one up and, and shrink it right down. Just carry it around with me. Yeah. Okay. And then I put the, I put the pillow up. You get your little pillows they give you, but then I'll put my big pillow up against the window. It fills the sort yeah. of the gap between the pillow and the oh between the seat and the and the window. And then yeah. I'll just pack it all up and sort of get in a bit of a groove there and yeah, do my best to sleep that way. It's, no, it's still not comfortable, but it's yeah, no, I, I take the window for sure because I just I don't like people on the side of me because then I can't lean one way or the other. So Yeah, yeah, there but, you go. Uh, but it's just little things. Like some people can just sleep upright like I just it's just not me but and uh yeah it's one of those things yeah so then the other thing I guess was clothing wise so we took we took over down gear so I already had the bracken down jacket which like I'd been using a lot on Samba and I love it it's it's a heavier down than most of the other Mm -hmm. commercial jackets so it come into its own in that situation so sitting in the stands it was great um, under that, I just run. I had some lamella thermals, so mm-hmm. I wore the thermals everywhere I went. I was running some thick polar fleece pants because that's all I had. Yeah. Some down pants probably would have been good mm-hmm. just for that sitting in the stands all the time. But yeah, I did you're not move. No. Nah. Yeah. And I thought I'd be all right, but it's cold, um, cold. Yeah, definitely. It's a it's next level cold. It's yeah, not even. There's nothing that we can even imagine. That's how cold it is. So Cabela's, I was told by Mitch, he goes, whatever you do when you're at Cabela's, just buy heaps of those hand warmers that you just shake the packets and thank Christ I did that because... Did you put them in your boots? 
Yeah. 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 It was yeah, everything to stop my toes getting cold. And I brought yeah. from Cabela's, I brought a pair of those Sorrells, which I've wanted a pair of Sorrells my whole life. Yeah. And I finally bit the ball on and brought them when I was there. And so you'd think oh, they're rated to like minus 30 mm-hmm. and I was wearing thick socks and then my toes were still numb. So yeah, yeah, got onto some hand warmers, chucked them in the toes, had some in my gloves. Yeah. So you couldn't keep enough of them, chuck a couple in your pocket. So most of the time I sh- had one glove on and then my shooting hand, I didn't have a glove on mm-hmm. just to be a little bit more accessible. So I just had hand warmer in a pocket and just left the hand in there. So little tech um, tip with your socks uh, for anyone that's listening. Um, Cause we all, I get caught up and it's only something I learned, but when I was in Alaska, but the thick sock versus thin sock thing, if you actually yeah. have wear a thin sock, it's warmer than a thick one. Really? Because hmm. the airflow, the air gap around your foot is what actually keeps it warm. So when it's really tight, it's up against the boot. And when you, you when you don't get the airflow, that's what keep, what's it makes you cold. As I'm aware. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. I can't take, I can't claim that as my own info. I learned that. But yeah, some of the things you learn when you're sitting in a tent. But yeah, so yeah. they're slightly thinner socks to get a little bit of movement around your foot. There you go. As I'm aware. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I, it just doesn't make sense to me at all, but it works. It really does. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So, bit, so but not, not much else. I'd change the Billy as a guide. I can't speak highly enough of him. He's a very experienced Alaskan guide too. So if there's anyone that's interested in hunting big moose or yeah. brown bear, um, barren ground caribou, doe sheep, the whitetail as well. Awesome. So, Awesome. And just coming from my last podcast, because I know you listened along with James and we spoke a lot about outfitters, but, you know, what were, say, three main points that just made you feel comfortable with, one, choosing him, and then two, just the overall experience? Like, what was three main points that he did? Um, Just for people that maybe questions you could ask for anyone who's looking to go to the States over the next couple of years. Yeah, so the first thing is it was his reputation. So... I already knew multiple people within my own area that had been with him and spoke highly of him. Yeah. So you can't underestimate that as key information. So, because if you have a bad experience with the guide, you're not going to mention anything nice about him. So, yeah, people are going to be pretty honest about it. So, yeah, I'd only heard good things. Um. Yeah. Did you lay your ex- to help you? Did you lay your expectations out to him, or did you let him speak first? Yeah. Uh no. So I, I spoke first. I mm-hmm. said what my expectations were, and then I asked him if if he felt that they were achievable. Yeah. And then he then elaborated further on that as to what to expect, which was along awesome. the lines of if you if you're coming here to shoot a Boone and Crockett quality animal, probably not the place to come. Yeah. It, 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 they, they are there and you will find, you can find them, Yeah. but you might not find it in a five-day period that you're coming for. Yeah. So, yeah. and we booked a couple extra days on top to give ourselves a bit more time too. So yeah. the animals are there, the quality are there, but whether or not you've got the time to get it done or not, it's another thing. So, yeah. Well, this, I've had the same conversations with picking elk. Outfitters yeah. for myself and others, you know, same thing. I'm not going to mention any names, but you know, particularly outfitter in New Mexico was 
yep, we've got 400-inch bulls. Well, they'd shot two in 10 years. Well, that's as good as anywhere, you know what I mean? So, you know, the average is like 330, which is you know, still a great bull. But then my, you know, my buddy Matt that I do down there is like, oh, there's some big fellas, but most of them you're going to find, we'll, we'll see them all day between 3 and 320. Even though the, the unit's rated to 350-plus unit. It's just yeah. straight up honest with you. This is what you're going to expect. If we shoot a big one, we're, we're happy days and we're partying. So yeah. I think that's a big thing is, is getting that realistic expectation of, of a, if, if, if that's your focus is trophy quality. Um, yeah. I think if you get that straight up, it's a realistic one. I think you're yeah. a winner. And let's face it, as Australians, we're all going to pay, like we're paying to go to the States to hunt Heck for yeah. trophy quality animals. We're not going there for anything. Other than that, which... I'm not, going, I'm not going to shoot a meat deer, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or justifying the meat tag by saying that you're shooting the oldest ball out of the herd, but yet it's <laughs> still the herd too. ball, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, no, nah, I mean, I think, yeah, as I said, we've all got that different expectation of what that trophy is. It may just... I just want to shoot a WhatsApp, know that, have a question for for the outfitter and then yeah do exactly what you said have him have him come back and answer it so i think just a lot of reason i ask these questions is is it's just so someone spent when they spend their money they find drop their coin on these big lot you know sometimes once in a lifetime hunts dream hunts i think just so you've got confidence to drop that and, and not be disappointed when it all happens yeah absolutely so the other thing i would say is even if you're not 100% on what to ask the guides. I'd be touching race with guys like yourself or even me. Yeah. I've got more than happy to oh, talk. Yeah. But one of the sure. first things I did was ask you as well, like what, what should I expect? By that stage, I was already booked, but what yeah. could I expect? What, I, what about the flights? What do we do there? What's yeah. happening? So chat to people you know that have done it. Yeah. Get well, their feel for it. Um, that'll be the yeah. biggest part. Biggest part of... Yeah, you know, my tag business that everyone knows that I've sort of kicked off. You know, apart from getting you the tag, which is you know, more or less the point of the, the financial side of things, is getting you a tag. The part that goes with the service kind of thing, and and I've made this argument before against you know other guys. I know roughly ninety five percent of what we want to look for here, um, and I'm happy just to make calls for you. I'll help you with questions. I'll call three outfitters for you, give you my pick. You know, I'm happy to do that. So. Um, because as I said, it's massive money and it does help when someone's been there and done a little bit of it. Not that I've done. There's, there's guys in Australia that have done a hundred times more than what I have, but you know, I guess a lot of us, are, some of us are a little bit more forthcoming with honest opinions. You know, I'm happy to say good or bad. So, um, But yeah, I mean, credit to you, man, jumping out and doing a water hunt. Like, you know, off the cuff like that, I think it's, I think it's huge. Yeah, oh, it's the first and more for me. Like I've certainly got a taste for it. I, I'm still yet to hunt all of the Australian deer species, but I've already got one eye on international hunts now. So, figure Australia is always going to be there, and um, internationally, there's there's a lot more to be done there. And I'm getting to an age now where it's achievable. Yeah, so yeah for sure. I can see myself going. Can't see it being every year, but every every second year, yeah, absolutely, I'm in. That's good. So, target. yeah, good target. Just we'll get the the tag stuff going with you. Mm. Yeah, talk about that a bit more off the podcast about where and what. But yeah, um, 
I think another key was what was touched on with you and um, the, in the last podcast. Oh, Jones, Nash, yeah. Yeah, Nash is. So that would be, if it's a once-in-a-lifetime hunt and you genuinely believe that's the case, then you'd be mad to not go with yeah. an outfitter. But oh, yeah. if it's something where you can see yourself going back and, and you want to develop your own skills, knowledge and experience and do it yourself, then... I'd be certainly going down the path with talking to you about the tag system, building up your points and really planning out what you're doing. And even if you go in there doing the recce stuff too, I guess. So yeah. 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 Doesn't matter. I mean, I, look, I just, everybody for, for, for what it's worth, forget about the stigmas, whether it's private, public, outfitted, guided, non-guided, who cares? Do it for yourself, whatever way you want to go about it, what's going to be, give you the best return for your money, go for it. That's that's all I can say. You know, if you like you did, mate, go and shoot one with a rifle. Done that, righto. Next, I'm going to go shoot with a bow. It doesn't take any away from the trophy at all, mate. Them no. things are hard to shoot, no matter what freaking weapon you've got in your hand. I reckon so, especially the seasons. What dictates it, if you ask me? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I, the bull elk are another example of that. Like, oh, try and find one late season. Shit. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so it's, and it's the same of all of our deer species too. So yeah. you don't see many people shooting post rut fellow bucks no. with archery gear in Australia. Most of the the killings done on the through the peak rut period. Yeah, and then the guys are packing their gear away and going fishing or something. So yeah. until the yeah. next rut, and That's then it. you start from the end of that rut, you start seeing how many days or how many hours countdown it is to the next rut. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's a cruel way it's a cruel way <laughs> I think it's worse when when you're looking at countdowns but that, uh, that's alright whatever floats your boat I guess yeah, so, that's it. so yeah. talking about talking about countdowns and floating your boat what do you do now I mean you, you're mended you poor bastard you're back at work after how many weeks on Monday yeah so I'm coming off the back of eight weeks off I go yeah. back on Monday and I don't know how I'm doing it I should have just extended it to the other side of Christmas yeah you should have yeah, but, but right. I didn't. So it's a busy time of year for us too. So committed, committed. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll get back in and get stuck into work. But hunting wise, all my cameras are still out. I'm still yeah. hunting. There's still plenty of hard antler amber running around. You you will see a lot more in velvet this time of year. But if you put the time in, you will still find them. Yeah. Um. Alpine National Park is closed to hunting in a couple of weeks. So, so, between, so I was going to ask that. Is that for the fire stuff? Is that why they closed and, again? And or? an increase in park activity. So gotcha. there's a lot more hikers and holidays. Ah, and, so it's only it's not closed to public. It's just closed to hunting. Just to hunting, yeah. Yep, sorry, yep. So that's 15th of December to the 15th of Feb. Okay. There's no, no hunting allowed in the Alpine National Park, which is a pretty huge chunk of... The hunting country in Victoria. There's a couple other parks that are closed as well. So Eildon, yep. Eildon National, Eildon State Forest, that has a closure, which is end of November, which is now obviously, yep. through till the weekend after Easter. So no hunting there either, which is another pretty popular place. Yeah, so sure. there's a few little closures. There's still plenty of state forest public land access to go to, mm-hmm. but it's just worth noting that there are those closures. So make sure either 
do a bit of research yourself or have a look around because the last thing you want is to get done because you were unsure that that park itself was actually closed, darling. So good time of the year to get the family out, get Forby and go explore some new areas, I reckon. Sounds that's I man, I wish I was closer. That'd be my weekend's full. Yeah, yeah, you can do a bit of that. So um nothing stopping you getting out there, putting your cameras out, yeah. exploring new country. The fishing's good. The, all of the trout streams are pretty active. You see a lot of guys now, a lot of the samba hunters are on snapper season in Victoria, so there's plenty yeah. of guys out in the bays chasing the reds around. Um, yeah, the native yeah. fishing, so the cod and yellow belly are firing up. I was just away just this weekend on a, on a week holiday of the family where we spent the whole time fishing for cod. There's a fishing comp we do every year. It's just a bit of fun, family-orientated event that yeah. we do every year. And, yeah, it's good fun. The natives are good. Well, you could probably uh, go down and scout my hog gear tag, I reckon. Yeah, I draw, so that this Wednesday, did you put in for the Blonde Bay ballot? Yes. Yeah, so the draw is this Wednesday. So, yeah, so when this podcast out, it's probably already happened. So if you see some yeah, celebrating okay. online, you know. You're probably, so I'm, you're I'm nine years. I got one. I'm nine years in without drawing, and most people draw first year. <laughs> My brother, people actually, like drawn multiple. Yeah, absolutely. My brother's like 25 years in and's never drawn. So, oh. and there's multiple people that have drawn numerous times. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know whether a point system would work in this instance, but it'd be nice to know that if you've done it that many times, that yeah, you get. Yeah, I don't know what the answer is, but... No, it's not. I mean, how popular it's getting, maybe not something needs to change, maybe, I don't know, but um, you could do the sort of like what some of the states like a bonus point system where it just doubles your chances or whatever, like they just they square your points. Um, yeah. So everyone's still got a chance because that's the worst thing about some of that state stuff. It's, you know, there's some states there you actually don't have a chance unless you've got the points, um, which that sucks. But as long as everybody's got a chance, I think, yeah, for someone that's 25 years in, man, I, they nearly ought to just give him one. You'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. But no, nah, that's not how it rolls. But it, I guess that <laughs> makes it fairer in that it's still open to anybody. Everybody's got the same amount of chance of drawing it, as yeah. frustrating as it is. So mm-hmm. it's only 15 bucks, too. So what does it hurt? But And it's probably. It. It's going to the cause anyway. Who cares? 15 yeah. bucks, shit. Yeah, it's not much. It's like and it's probably, probably what, that's probably the what best you owe option from, to oh, shoot. Sorry? I said that's probably what you owe me from our last Macca's round, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Coffees. <laughs> yeah. Macca's coffee. Oh, that's talk about coffee. Oh. <laughs> American I, remember, coffee. I remember the abusive message first day. Oh. The it's Americans rubbish, don't know what they're drinking. It is rubbish. It is rubbish. Any Americans that are listening to this, wait till you come to Australia and drink our coffee. It's amazing. Never Compared back. to Starbucks or something. Oh, it killed me. <laughs> First thing I did when I landed back in Sydney is I went to the coffee store and oh. even even the lady there is like, oh, where have you been? American. She's like, geez, their coffee's rubbish, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Mate, it was I only got a drink. I don't give a shit what anyone says about me drinking lattes. Vanilla latte is all you can drink over there. That's the only thing you can drink. It's the only thing that's half close to normal coffee. Then I struggled to find iced coffee. So. Yeah, no, they don't do that. And when you do, it's like black coffee with ice in it. Yeah. Well, it's, 
How's just even, just how's even the pot coffee? coffee? Guys, what's hey. the go with your pot coffee over there? <laughs> yeah, I got used to pot coffee. It's still great, but I get that. Man. I get that coffee, mate, and just pour about half of the jug in the in the cup, and then fill the rest up. We lived off percolated coffee in thermoses oh, when we were there. So that percolated we that percolated stuff, man. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're bringing up yeah. bad memories, man. That's just oh, oh yeah. Anyway, yeah. Coffee. So that was probably the low light of the whole trip was how <laughs> poor the coffee was. Considering yeah, you, you've had a good considering trip. I drink so much of it and I love my coffee. So you've had a good trip if that's what you got to worry about. Yeah. That and time. the security guys at LAX. It's gone out of work with them. Mm. Mm. You just got to be really, really polite and they'll let you get through. Yeah. yeah. You've got to go to the, the, that, fem- you go the, the female ones. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's, that's, that's the way to go about it and get through. Just just nice. They've got to be over polite. And they, yeah. Then you get some that just don't want to, just don't want to talk to you. They look you up and down and want to check your bouquets five times and, it's like the same as the first time you looked at it. Yeah. But anyway, you get used to these things. That's got to give you plenty of time. So anyone booking flights, minimum three hours between the transfer yeah, and flight. Absolutely. So we had minimum. a couple hours and we were stressing big time in, oh, yeah. in LAX on the way over because it wasn't looking like we were going to get to our next flight. And there's no way of telling anyone just to let us jump the queue because if you even look at them the wrong way, then they want to... Mm. Want to check your bag again? Definitely. Did they have the kiosks open? Your passport kiosk? Uh, or did you have to manually go through the? No. Oh, they still have. And then in between it. that, we got, just got through baggage claim. Yeah. And then there's these couple big automated double doors, but there was a fire alarm going off, so the doors oh. were shut. No one could open them. So oh, right. there's like 400 people waiting to get through these doors just to get from baggage claim to through customs oh, and we couldn't get through these automated doors because there was a fire alarm going. And so we were standing there for, I don't know, 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Oh, that's rough. Just trying to get through. So we had a two hour time frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You soak it up. A bit. Then we had three security steps to go through. Yeah. And then we finally got to, finally got to mm-hmm. our plane and it was, boarding at the time we got there. So I'd certainly be encouraging three hours. Yep, definitely. It cracks me up that we're talking about a white tail hunt and we're talking about the plane flight. <laughs> yeah. But it's all part and parcel. So anyone that hasn't done it before, it's, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. It's yeah, it can save a lot of stress anyway. Yeah, so hunting-wise, I'm, I'll still go. I'll go all summer. It just There's more snakes about. It's a bit drier underfoot, making bow hunting more difficult. But yeah, if you pick the days, you still get plenty of wet days over summer. Just try to use them, or or pick the areas you're hunting. Yeah. Find a a nice green gully somewhere where you can move silently through the bush, or just sit and wait a little bit more. Yeah, okay. Pick Keep it. all my cameras active. Pick the old casty up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was looking for them. You just so gotta watch good... that. You just gotta watch that, that sneaky New South Wales bloke. Doesn't get down. How is he? Oh. How's the stitch up with that big casty he put on the side of the dam trying to claim? And it turned what's, out it was someone else's. What's the go? You've got to watch him. He knows it. Yeah. He'll know who we're talking about, too. Yeah, no, mm. he definitely does. So, mm. 
draws all the way I down. This bloke draws. I apologise to him because I did a little bit of a skit on him in my front yard about <laughs> antlers. That was hilarious. And, and I had people messaging me telling me I was a little bit harsh. I thought I might have had a problem with him. But it was just all oh, in light humour and he got the joke. But Anyone that drives 15 hours to go casty hunting. Yeah, committed, aren't you? Oh, man. that's We don't even have a market for them, do we? No, nah, not yet. Need to get into that dog. But That's go into the pet stores and look at them. You can buy a, a six-inch piece of. Don't say no. Don't say that. Casty Everyone will be out going to do it. Yeah. There's a dozen arrows in a casty. It could be. <laughs> they could have got that many just from. I chucked heaps of them out on hard rubbish last year, so someone could have picked up a whole heap of deadheads and mm. you name it. They're just in the shed building up little ecosystems of spiders. Oh. So. It looked like you go into my shed and it looked like you're entering Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom or something. It was just cobwebs and that everywhere. And I just said, oh, I've had enough of this. So I chucked a heap of them out. Oh, uh, that's funny. That's funny. The last last time I checked the cameras, only a week or two back, I found quite a nice deadhead and a nice castie. So it's certainly the time of year for picking up casties. Is that natural causes or you've been shot? Yeah. Were we chatting on that as messenger? It's yeah. a bit far for it to be in a... A shot animal. Yeah, right. And and I did find a lot of other deer skeletons. So I wouldn't mind betting it's the wild dogs. There's a pretty yeah, healthy right. population of wild dogs in there. Once you get sorted. Not really. So there's there's some baiting goes on in there. It's right on the edge of um, protected catchment and okay. state forest. Yeah, right. Hard, so tough the dogs there, yeah. have found this little buffer zone where they're protected because they're, they're not yeah. baiting the state forest because it's open for recreational yeah, hound hunting. Yeah. So they can't be putting poison baits out there, but a couple of the other way and, and there's trappers and baits and stuff like that going on all the time. But mm -hmm. yeah, they're not putting a dent in these dogs. So um, most of the animals I was finding were all yearling size, which makes sense for the dogs. But oh. yeah, the stag, I don't know. It's unlikely to be natural causes because he wasn't an old animal. Yeah, so. that's what I was thinking. Like, he looks sort of prime, sort of age-wise, but... Yeah, age-wise, yeah. but I know the sound as well, but... Yeah. That's always interesting. Well, yeah, mate, before so. we close up, what's uh, what's on the agenda for 2019, mate? We're getting close. We're, we're all, well, you'll still do a bit of hunting, mate, but I know you sort of um, plan a bit of a trip up north and hopefully head out Yeah, so west. still working out logistically, but going to head up north to nt bit of a family gonna trip. do a fam family holiday in darwin for a week and mm -hmm. then so i'll make my way up with my wife and young son the older two are going to fly and my mum's going to fly into darwin spend nice. a week there they're going to fly home because they've got to work and then myself my wife and the young bloke are going to cut back across to queensland and then down the east coast so mm -hmm. i'll hit up a few few of the guys I know along the way just to see whether I can squeeze some hunts in here and there. We'll make it work. If anyone wants to help out, set, shoot us a message. But no um, it's looking like July, probably the month of July we're doing that. Cool. Uh, Good time of the year to hit not. the mountains band here. Yeah, well, mm. we'll hit that up too. A bit of a go for a mountain boar hunt or something. I think so. Yeah. Got a few bits and pieces on the go in May down here for the Samba, so... Yeah, we're working on I'll that. We'll lock some dates in. Yeah, I'll do a bit of recce work beforehand there. Just trying to fit it all in. It's tough. Yeah. 
Well, Need to get a goat, a goat pig hunt in Western New South, organise at some stage too. Yep, yep, working on that. So it just looks like I have some very good access on that. So we're working on that and for then, a while. In between that, I think from the last time we did the podcast, I, I changed that grumpy boar stuff, rebranded it out to Mountain Man Down Under. That's right. Got a website going, which I've got the blog stuff happening, but apologies to those that were getting into the blogs and then my stop, but the, the brain surgery and stuff like that sort of took a priority there, but I'm about yeah. to start punching out a few more of those blogs. I'm happy to take any feedback on any topics people want to cover off sounds good but the blog it's also got some review stuff there photos links to the podcast you name it's just a bit of a central point there as a website and instagram by the same title so mountain man down under on instagram it's much the same as my private stuff just a lot more sharing of other people's content too so just trying to keep the hunting community engaged really yeah yeah, some good reviews. My there's some good reviews, and especially some of the tactics that we spoke about in the earlier podcasts were all there too, and a bit of tracking stuff and so on. And yeah, some re- there's some good reading in it actually. Yeah, it'd be uh, a good little refresh, especially as the the new season comes around next year too. So there's yeah, definitely for sure. something to go through, and you know, obviously, you know, the podcast and and, and I know a lot of your content will sort of start. You know, I know we're, we're going to have guests on the red deer and that, uh, I guess on the fallow and all that kind of stuff before the rut comes. So I'm trying to strategically sort of bring them out if we can. So um, a couple of them will be a little bit early and then we'll have some, uh, you know, international stories come through. You mentioned, you actually mentioned a name that uh, I've put the pressure on him to come on. So uh, hopefully we can get him tied up by the, by the end of the month, hopefully. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's going to have some pretty cool stories. He's experienced a lot. Actually, there's quite a few guys that, that have done a lot that no one knows about. It's probably the better way to put it. So I'm going to try and yeah, absolutely. Going to try and bring those stories to us, and yeah, that that's what resonates the most about this podcast to people is that is that it's no different to a hunt camp storytelling session. So everyone's got a story to tell. So Heck yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's really good and uh, same. Yeah, I'll try and slip out west as much as I can. I'm going to try and get back out mid January catch back up with Warra. That was a good time. So they did get a bit of rain out there, thankfully. Um, so that that's, you know, for the farmer side of things, that's just unreal that they got some moisture. It's nowhere near enough, but they've got a little bit of groundwater, which is good, but it's heating up. So hunting still should be good for the for the boars and that kind of thing. So they're still going to go to water to, to cool off. So we'll go and uh, hopefully tickle, tickle a few up there again. So that'd be mid-January and then probably I'll be pretty quiet till, till the rut, I think. So... And then back down for a samba hunt or two, maybe. May, May June. Do it. Yeah, do a couple. That should be good. Get get down uh, here as much as you want. I'm happy to have you. Just fly down. I'll pick you up. Sounds good. Head up. We can do a weekend here and there. It doesn't have to take long. No, I mean, it's good like that. I mean, it is without access to the way it works down there. It's bloody good. You know, to be able to pick up the airport in four and a half, five hours, you sort of, you know, you pull up to camp. So I probably should take the that's. That's a long way too. So if yeah. you were to hunt, if you were to like once in season again, if you were to go from the airport to Hilton, you could be in deer country within an hour. So yeah, still so that. Like that's yeah. So for anyone out there who's got connections down, you know, it's a good way to fill in time in between the rut and you know maybe the middle of winter here. So there's plenty of options out there, and yeah, I've just applied for 
Alaska again. Gonna try and <laughs> you go hunt. Yeah, gonna do it again. So we've just uh, yeah. just applied for Kodiak. So after that comes yeah, cool. in, comes into play, and looks like we've just booked in a moose hunt. So awesome. Big twenty nineteen is coming. Yeah, a little bit of surprise package on that moose tag too. I might have upgraded. We'll see what happens. But um, sweet. They got some pretty cool rules over there. You can buy an animal of, well, unfortunately, I say of greater, greater, not value, but like next one up. And you can buy that tag and then shoot a moose on, or, or the, the lesser animal on that tag. So I'll, uh, I'll be going for moose, but I might have a, another animal species on that tag, but I can't confirm that yet. I'll let you know. That's going to be a big trip anyway. Yeah, it sounds epic. Mm. So uh, going back and see the boys over there. So that should be good. We're just. Finalising dates and that shortly, so we just yeah. got the uh, kind of a drop camp sort of deal. Um, obviously, Alaska for anybody that doesn't know, uh, as a they call us alien non-residents, so we have no U.S. citizenship. We actually have to have an outfitter, and we have to have a guide with us at all times. So it uh, makes things a little bit harder, but uh, once again, you, you know, you start how small the world is, you start getting to know people and. I've uh, got a good man over there that's going to help us out, so should be good. Yeah. Can't wait. Cool. Well, man, I don't know what time it is, but... It's getting pretty late, but I don't have to work tomorrow. I've mm. got a doctor's appointment just as a follow-up, and then I'm heading up the bush for a couple of nights just awesome. before I get back to work next week. So Awesome. Well, man, I'm glad you're on the mend, you've mended, and uh, you had an epic... White tail trip, mate, and uh, yeah, a bit all over the shop tonight, but it was a fun combo. Yeah, I'm once we, again, I'm a bit unsure about where we went and how what we covered, but it's all good. Hopefully, one um, of you, hopefully, he's got something out of it. We did, we caught yeah. up. I found out more about his white tail trip. We purposely didn't catch up, so I didn't know any of the details, so that yeah. just so everybody knows how committed we were to the conversation. Yeah, but um. So, like, as always, if anyone wants to know anything Samba-related and I can help, uh, I'm happy to share whatever I do know. Just shoot me a message on Instagram. So now, Oh, the tar giveaway. We let that go. So we're recording. What day is it? It's a Monday. So we let this go out four days ago, and I'm scared to look at my phone. So, guys, thank you so much for the support. It is unbelievable. Josh is just laughing at us because we somehow got to draw this thing. But um, yeah, <laughs> nearly nearly blew up Instagram <laughs> the first afternoon between you and Tom. I can't believe how many people want to hang out with a Kiwi for four days. Yeah, yeah, especially one as mad as Tom Jones. Yeah. Anyway, no, no, I can't, I can't thank everyone enough. It's just unbelievable. So, but there is plenty more to come. I assure you. So, we'll draw that one on Christmas Eve. So we'll make someone's Christmas Day pretty awesome. And then uh, I've got some more coming in January, which is going to be pretty cool as well. So not quite as big as a hunt giveaway, but uh, I'm sure you'll put the things to good use. There's a little insider for you. Cool. So, uh, and they will be Australian only. Sorry, everyone else that listens abroad. But the next giveaways will be for you guys as Aussies and the listeners. So that's us. Sweet, man. Awesome, man. I'm going to let you go and do what you're going to do, and I'm going to go to bed, so... Awesome. Thanks again. Nah, as always, mate. It's a pleasure to have you on and always good for a yarn. Thanks, man. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. Bye.
All right, guys, that's a wrap for 2018. Uh, I've just got to say a huge thanks to Koyuga Broadheads, uh, Hoyt Bowhunting, and the Exo Mountain Gear Boys uh, for their support throughout the year. Uh, it does mean a lot that uh, these companies want to support. You know, someone uh, as small as myself and unknown, um, but being able to help me bring the content to you guys and and uh, and certainly pushes me to to continue to grow. Uh, last but not least, to Tom Jones uh, for his generosity in the New Zealand Tar Hunt giveaway. Uh, we're only just a day away for uh, letting uh, the lucky winner know, and uh, it'll be a Christmas Eve and and hopefully make a very very special Christmas day. So the announcement's going to be live on on Instagram, uh, 5 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time uh, here in New South Wales so um, just in time to celebrate Christmas Eve so fingers crossed it's going to be one of you guys from the podcast Um, I've got your information there so uh, good luck guys and I hope I'll be calling one of you come Christmas Eve so I'm out guys Happy New Year